Welcome to this episode of Demand Our Access. My name is Jonathan Simeone. Our topic for today is going to be service animals and rideshare companies. Um, although some of this will apply to any issue of disability discrimination on the part of rideshare companies. Um, I'm specifically focusing on service animals because um, we all know in community there has been a lot of issues around folks who use service animals not being able to get rides from rideshare companies. So that'll be our primary topic for today. Um, before we get into that, though, I do want to make uh, a give a couple of updates. Um, first of all, I want to let everybody know because this is why I'm doing the podcast and why I have the website. Um, we really can make a difference with these things. And to illustrate that, uh, in recent episodes, Desiree and I have been talking about complaints we have with Chase Bank and a couple of different moving companies. And I received, after we filed with Chase, um, and since our last episode, uh, an attorney with the Department of Justice actually called me based on the complaint that we filed. And long story short, they are interested in, they are reviewing uh, our Chase complaint and are going to review our mover company complaint. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. They get loads uh, more applications and complaints than their limited staff allows them to consider. Um, but that means that the issues we have raised and the way we raise them did actually resonate with the Civil Rights Division at DOJ. And they are now looking into um, whether or not, and if so, how uh, they want to proceed and help get some resolution to the issues that we discussed. So we really can make a difference um, if we do those things. And I'm very hopeful um, that at a minimum, the, that at a minimum, what will come out of this is that uh, they are aware of some of the issues that I had time to actually speak with them about. I I spoke with them for about 40 minutes um, about all of the issues and how they're impacted and what the ramifications are to the community. So I just want folks to be aware that when we do these things, we really can advance things for ourselves and we can change things for the better for us as a community. It's slow. It's sometimes not easy, um, but Hopefully, if more of us can learn these things and do these things, we can achieve more equitable outcomes and, quite honestly, more <laughs> civil rights. Um, if folks have questions about that, we can certainly get to that when we reach the question and answer portion of the podcast. And maybe by then my tongue will be working a little better <laughs> than it is now. Um with that being said, I'm going to go to the pre-recorded portion of this on service animals and ride shares. It's about 15 minutes long, and then we'll get into uh, questions and comments about um, the complaints, about uh, ride share, anything else people have. So with that, I'm just going to mute myself and share the presentation. Ride share companies and service animals Disclaimer, the information presented in any of the Demand Our Access podcast episodes on the Demand Our Access website or otherwise shared in conjunction with or through association with the Demand Our Access project is expressly not individual legal advice. Applying the law depends on the circumstances and events that comprise every situation. Since legal advice is fact-specific, nothing about the Demand Our Access project can provide an individual, 
a group of individuals or an organization legal advice. Introduction In this episode, I am covering the rights of people with disabilities who use service animals to access rides through rideshare companies Uber and Lyft. Specifically, I will briefly recap important concepts around service animals, how the law applies to rideshare companies, and how to file a complaint when a driver refuses to transport you and your service animal. For information about service animals under Titles 2 and 3 of the ADA, please review the episode titled Service Animals Under Titles 2 and 3 of the ADA. Service Animals Definition of a Service Animal A service animal is defined as a dog that has been individually trained to do work or perform tasks for an individual with a disability. The tasks performed by the dog must be directly related to the person's disability. Performing work and doing tasks. The dog must be trained to take a specific action when needed to assist the person with a disability. Examples of work or tasks service animals do include, but are not limited to, the following. Guiding a blind person, alerting a person with diabetes when their blood sugar is too low, notifying someone with depression that it's time for them to take their medication, indicating to a person with epilepsy prior to the onset of a seizure and helping them remain safe. Emotional Support Animals Dogs providing strictly emotional support Comfort, therapy, or companionship are not considered service animals under Titles 2 and 3. Some state and local governments have passed laws allowing emotional support animals into public places. If you have an emotional support animal, check with your local government to see if it has such a law and to find out what it allows and requires. Psychiatric Service Animals Although service animals providing strictly emotional support are not covered under Titles 2 and 3, service animals trained to do work or complete tasks related to a disability are covered under Titles 2 and 3. For example, if an animal has been trained to understand when its handler is having anxiety and to take certain actions to lessen the seriousness of the attack, the animal qualifies as a service animal under Titles 2 and 3. Training Service Animals A person is not required to have their service animal trained by a professional organization. Service animals in training, whether being trained by a private person or a professional organization are not legally considered service animals. Questions covered entities can ask. 
when a covered entity has questions as to whether a particular dog qualifies as a service animal, it is only allowed to ask two questions. Is the service animal required because of a disability? What work or task has the dog been trained to perform? They cannot ask for any documentation related to the dog, require that the dog demonstrate the task it has been trained to perform, or ask about the nature of your disability. So, just to tie this to the subject we're talking about here, an Uber driver cannot tell you you have to show a documentation or any kind of license or certification related to your dog. They can't ask you to demonstrate what the dog can do. They can't ask you about what your disability is and how much uh, your disability impacts you. All of that is prohibited under the law. They can only ask, is this service animal, you know, because of your disability and what does it essentially do to help you? How the law covers rideshare companies. The ADA does not specifically list rideshare companies as places of public accommodation because these kinds of technology-driven services weren't even imagined in 1990. That being said, there is no question that rideshare companies are covered by Title III of the Americans with Disabilities Act. If I had to argue as to which category of public accommodations uh, rideshares would be best located, I would argue that they are services under the service category. None of this information is needed to file a complaint with a rideshare company or the Department of Justice. I have included this information so you can understand a bit about how the law covers rideshare companies. So if you file with DOJ, you will say that it is a Title III complaint against a rideshare company. While it's true that both the Department of Justice, DOJ, and the Department of Transportation, DOT, have jurisdiction over issues of transportation, my suggestion is to file any complaint against a rideshare company for violating Title III of the ADA with the Department of Justice. DOJ has much more experience investigating and resolving ADA complaints than does DOT. Also, DOJ has already sued Uber for violating Title III. While that lawsuit was about Uber's practice of charging people wait time fees if they weren't in their ride within two minutes of its arrival, DOJ got Uber to agree to a settlement worth millions. All of this is to say that filing with DOJ has the greatest chance of getting a positive resolution for you and of, in, of influencing the development of further rulemaking on the part of DOJ that could result in clearer, stronger rights for those of us with disabilities. For more information about filing complaints with DOJ, review the episode Filing Complaints Under Title III. Complaining to Rideshare Companies Uber 
Uber has a policy titled Service Animals and Assistive Devices. You can find the policy on Uber's website. For your convenience, I will link to it when I post this episode to the website. The policy, as expected, contains all the right language. For example, it clearly, correctly states that drivers cannot refuse to transport service animals. It goes on to say, there are no exceptions to this policy due to allergies, religious objections, or a generalized fear of animals. The policy also has instructions on how you can file a complaint with Uber when a driver refuses to transport your service animal. If you access the policy online, it has a link that will take you directly to the page where you can file your complaint. The web version of the form seems accessible. I cannot try using the form in the app. Filling out the form is fairly straightforward. You need to indicate that the complaint involves a service animal, give your name and email address, and provide details about the trip. As expected, Uber promises to refund any fees, but nothing will be done to make amends for the wasted time and aggravation anyone suffers when they have trouble getting a ride. Lyft. Lyft also has a service animal policy. It, too, will be linked to in the show notes for this episode. In addition to containing the policy, the page also has a video about the policy. There is also a link to a transcript of the video. Lyft's policy says the following to drivers about transporting service animals. When it comes to transporting riders with service animals, drivers on the Lyft platform should remember one thing. Always say yes. You're required by the law and Lyft's policy to always accommodate service animals even if you have an allergy, religious or cultural objection, or a fear of them. The Lyft policy is also made available in several different languages. If you would prefer to access the policy in a language other than English, you can find the available language translations on the main page for the policy. Lyft also makes reporting violations of its service animal policy very easy. You can call their service animal hotline at 844-554-1297. Complaints can also be filed through the Lyft app or by using the Contact Us button in the web version of the policy. The policy contains information about how you can file a complaint through the app. Lyft's service animal complaint form is accessible on the web. I have not tried it in the app. 
If you complete the form, you will need to provide your email address, phone number, a description of what happened, and you have the option of uploading any files you think would provide additional information. Conclusion Although I don't currently have a service animal, I previously worked with two wonderful guide dogs. If I have a service animal in the future, I will choose Lyft over Uber for my rideshare needs. I appreciate having a toll-free number I can call when I need. For ease of use, I will put Lyft's service animal hotline number in my contacts. That way, I could call it as soon as I know I'm having issues with a driver not wanting to take my service animal. Whether you use Uber or Lyft, be prepared to educate drivers about the law and the respective company's service animal policy. You may even want to save the policies in your web browser so you can retrieve them as needed. Whichever company you choose, I strongly encourage you to file a complaint with the Department of Justice every time you face discrimination because of your disability while using a rideshare company. The more you file, the easier it will get. The more complaints those of us with disabilities file, the better chance of real change actually happening. Thank you for listening to Service Animals and Rideshare Companies. So we are back. That is the end of the presentation. Now, before we get into questions, which we're ready for now, uh, I want to make it very clear that in my conclusion, I recognize that I left a lot of situations unaddressed that couldn't be addressed in a short form presentation like that. Um, I also want to say that I am completely aware that things don't often work as we expect or anticipate they will when we're in the moment of being actively discriminated against. So what I'm hoping we can do here is have a real discussion and comments about other people's experiences and maybe do some, um, you know, discussing of different ways people have or would like to handle some situations. So with that, I will open it up for questions or comments. Do we have any hands? We do have a couple, and we'll go with Desiree first. Okay. Um, so Hi, Desiree. I, I, how are you? <laughs> um, I use Lyft um, all the time with the service animal because you're right, it's a better experience. However, um, two things. So one of the things, and it, this was the same trip that, that had happened to me. Uh, one of them was the drivers, they would get very close to us. And as soon as they saw the dog, they would turn around and kind of drive away and eventually cancel the ride. Um, there was no way to know for sure when they were approaching fully because they would get close enough where it would say arriving in one minute, but you didn't know how close they got before they turned and, and drove away. Um, for this particular instance, it happened three times, three different drivers in the same trip um, where we were standing outside and waiting. <laughs> um, so I called the number, uh, the hotline number, and was on hold for about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, I, of course, eventually got through. And by the time I got through, I another driver had finally showed up and picked us up. And I filed the complaint, you know, with the phone number, but I guess I, my, 
I guess my question or, or comment is that I don't know if the number necessarily will work while you're in the instance in, of, of what's happening. You may have to call in after it happens because they don't have really responsive staff, it seems, answering the phones. So here's my take on this. Uh, first of all, that is sad because they advertise this number as a, as a good and easy way to do that. So here's how I would handle that issue. I would file a complaint with the Department of Justice. And in my complaint, I would mention that they offer me this service animal hotline, but for all intents and purposes, it's not nearly as useful as they make it sound. Because if it takes them an hour to answer the phone, obviously they can't help you resolve your ongoing situation if that's their average wait time. Uh, but the other thing is, I think people, the more times we bring this issue up, both to them and to the Department of Justice, the better chance there is of the hotline working the way you would expect a quote-unquote hotline to work. I think most of us can agree that an hour uh, does not exactly make the line very hot. I would call right. it an old line. Um, <laughs> so I think it would be interesting to see if other people have had similar experiences with that. But one of the reasons I would do it and use the number now, even expecting that, is I think it would unsettle drivers. If you're like, hey, I'm going to call Lyft right now. I'm going to get them on the phone. And it may encourage somebody to do the right thing when maybe they don't want to. Now, as far as the leaving you, this, I think, is always the elephant in the room when it comes to questions like this, right? And there aren't a lot of great ways to deal with this other than every time this happens, you know, file it with the company. But in this case, turn them in, say three different drivers canceled on me. I was left waiting for, you know, an extra 35 minutes or whatever it, the, the time is, you know, point out the harm and the aggravation it's causing to you. And I want to be very so, clear about this. None of these solutions are great, right? There's no way to make up for the fact that it took you an extra hour to get home or that you wasted an hour of your life on hold because they they really don't answer their quote unquote hotline. But the best way to make change is to file these things. Yeah. So would you suggest then to write down everything like because once somebody cancels right you can't go back and okay who was that driver so it doesn't it goes away from your trip history um at least as far as i can tell and so would you suggest that as soon as somebody takes the trip you somehow screenshot or you do something to keep track of the name of that driver and then if they cancel you know exactly who you're turning in the more information you can provide the better my suspicion is that they have ways of going into the thing and seeing who the driver was. Um, but that's just a guess on my part. And again, it's not fair to require people to take all these screenshots or write things down. I'm not saying it's fair, but I am saying it will give you the best chance of holding them accountable when you're discriminated against. And ultimately, we all know the root problem is whatever they put in writing, whatever training they're giving people, they're not doing enough to make it clear to drivers. Now, Lyft apparently, and I don't know if Uber does, I just saw this with Lyft, they apparently do train all the drivers on this somehow. Um, that doesn't mean it always works. Obviously, it doesn't. But I think... The more people hold them accountable when things don't work, the better. And uh, this is something that really, you know, honestly, we the law is clear on this. It's just it's not being enforced enough. And 
you know, when they say both platforms say we may suspend a driver from the platform or remove a driver from the platform, um, it would be very interesting to know how often that actually happens. Uh, because mm -hmm. if a number of people actually got removed, it might change the dynamic. So my suspicion is it doesn't happen very often, but it would be interesting to have the data on that. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Do we have any other hands? Yes, we have Starry. Hello. Hi. I actually have a comment rather than a question. You mentioned that service animals in training do not legally qualify by the ADA as service animals, and that is true. However, almost every state does have specific laws pertaining to service animals in training that does give them public access rights as if they were fully trained service animals. That's true. Um, the like Oregon, where I live, does do that. the The problem is that I I can't go through and list every state that does and doesn't. So that's then why I say there's folks really should doesn't. So you just have to look it up and see if your state yeah, does exactly. And that's that's why I say that. Check to make sure you don't have a local law on some of these things. It's the same thing is true with emotional support animals. Some localities and states have emotional support animal laws some don't so some of this is going to be a state by state even a city by city question for folks also just a bit of a blooper when you were recording your video you had the karaoke version of toes up in the video huh how yes. did that happen did it <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. Okay. Well, thank you for letting me know. You're welcome. Thank you. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> well, at least it didn't play the song. I'll take that. Um, do we have any other hands? Not at this time. Did we? I guess we don't have anything in Clubhouse. So, no, I don't see their hand up either. Okay. Nope. So I, while we wait, I'll give it another minute. Um, I just want to uh, say that in January, um, so because we do the first and third Saturdays, there are actually five Saturdays in December. So we actually have a two-week break. Our next episode will be January 6th, and we will be doing the 6th and the 20th. In January, we will be doing both episodes focused on Title I of the ADA, which is a really important topic. It governs employment of people with disabilities. So if you're currently looking for a job or you're currently in a job where things aren't as accessible as they should be, um, this will be something for you to uh, check out. And again, we will be doing both January episodes on Title I because there's a lot of information there, um, and I'm hoping we may have some feedback from folks um, on that. Um, and again, if you have any questions or feedback um, about anything, you can always write me at jonathan at demandouraccess.com, uh, or you can fill out the contact form on demandouraccess.com. Um, and I would like to thank Travis and Lucy for hosting for me today um, and for uh, streaming for me today. And I want to thank the folks at ACB Community, as always, for their help in getting on the uh, platform uh, on and out through ACB Media. And with that, I want to see if we have any more uh, hands. Not at this time. Okay, um, then I don't want to um, take up more time for folks um, than is necessary. So if we uh, don't have any more questions or comments, I want to thank everybody uh, truly from the bottom of my heart for the project, your comments, your feedback, your listening in whatever form you have listened over our first year of Demand Our Access. 
Uh, it's been a pleasure to do this. I'm very excited to seeing where it goes in the new year. We do um, have a hand now. Oh, uh, uh, okay. So who do we have? <laughs> it's a phone number, 575, ending in 970. You may unmute. Right. Yeah, this is Beth. I'm borrowing somebody. <laughs> I'm uh, borrowing another phone. Um, okay, I would like to know if... Um, Demand our access, and I missed that uh, podcast, was talking about um, complaints against moving companies. That We did that a couple of episodes ago. Yeah, and uh, that podcast can be found on the Demand Our Access website. And incidentally, the Demand Our Access podcast can be accessed through Apple Music, Amazon uh, Music, Google, um, Spotify, Android. There are a number of different ways folks can access the podcast, and you can find all of that on the Demand Hour Access website. Okay. Uh, just for a little bit, I mean, I wanted to know what I, I missed that part, so I didn't. What exactly was happening on that? Um, it's a it's a long story, but the the quick version is that uh, we my uh, my wife um, before we got married was working on moving here, and um, a lot of things went wrong. Um, they had a lot of documents that were not accessible that they told her they were reading to her, and it turns out when they were quote unquote reading, they left out a whole bunch of information that she needed to go to know they quoted her one rate and then showed up at her house and told her if she didn't agree to pay double they weren't going to move any of the stuff and they were going to leave um which is extortion in my view and is certainly pretty illegal um so it was a it was a big mess um a whole bunch of things happened we walked through a lot of it together on that podcast episode so yeah if you want more information about that you can certainly find that and i am now anticipating that we will have some updates on that in the new year um as to what happened oh, okay. with the department of justice okay because um yeah i'm having trouble moving from one place to another but i don't have that much stuff to have a whole moving company you know what i mean i just say need to rent like a u-haul or or something like that and uh some well, places my, used to have drivers. I, I certainly hope your experience is significantly smoother than ours was. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I hope so, too, but it hasn't been. That's why I was asking you about, you know, because... Yeah, uh, and unfortunately, there, you know... Our experience was the companies knew, knew nothing, literally nothing about their responsibilities under the ADA. Uh, and then they acted very sh um, shady and unprofessional um, in other oh, ways. Uh -huh. And so, um, like I said, it, it's a long story. It, it took us like right, know, half right. an hour yes. to walk through the whole thing. But but yeah, I, it's, it's a, a lot needs to change in the moving industry. I would argue for in a lot of ways, but uh, especially in the accessibility front. Oh yes, it it does, and then um, you know, getting getting people to um, like some some of the U-Haul companies have drivers, and some don't, and some don't want to, and I don't even mind paying. Yeah, it's, maybe double it's... or something for them to come back. You know, for them yeah. to drive back, but. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, good luck to you. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. Do we, we do have, have any one. other hands? Yes, we do. It just went oh. up. Lucy, you may unmute. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Lucy. Is that Lucy Hi. A from karaoke? Yes. It is. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Hi. I think it's the Hi. first time you and I talk. Yeah. Um, I was going to say for... I'm going to mute my speech here. Okay. Um, for uh, one one thing that I uh, often 
try to make a habit of doing now when requesting my rides is I do the four finger quadruple uh, tap to um, copy the information on the driver and license plate number and all of that to the clipboard. And then I uh, put all of that in, in a note uh, so that if there is a cancellation before um, we're able to, to take that information or, or if that, if that doesn't get included into the history, we'll still have that. Um, and we're able to report that. And also whenever possible, um, if you can take video, even better, because like you said, the more information they have, the better. So yeah. that's what I do. That's a great tip. Um, I I really appreciate that. That That is a tip that um, will probably help a lot of folks. Um, I haven't had a, uh, a working service animal since uh, 2019. So um, none of this is stuff that I've personally encountered for a while. Um, so it, it's great to have those kind of tips. Um, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, if other folks have tips they want to share, um, and I know, you know, being honest that this time of year, we may be losing a lot of listeners with the holidays and stuff. So if folks catch up with this later and they have questions or comments or tips they want to share, we can certainly discuss ride shares again. Um, in the new year. So um, very, very much appreciative of that, Lucy. Thank you. Thank you. And I. Oh, sorry, Lucy. We lost you. <laughs> I think you were in the middle of the sentence and we lost you. Uh, we'll bring her back. I didn't realize she wasn't done. <laughs> and we do have one. Sorry. I, past that. I was wanting to make sure that I said the, the uh, right uh, keystroke, <laughs> the three finger quadruple tab for the copy to clipboard. Great. Thank okay. you. Okay. Thank you. And you said we have another one? We did, but their hand went down. Well, I will give them a minute to see if it wants to come back up. Um, Meanwhile, we have your wife coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just, I kind of am curious and I just thought about this, but what is your opinion on if, if the apps gave us an opportunity to kind of disclose in our profile that we have a service animal? Um, and I, I don't think we should have to do that, but would that doing something like that minimize some of these experiences that we're having? And is it something that, you know, we could have them give us a choice to do you know i i mean if i if i had the choice and i would had a service animal i don't think i would disclose that's just my personal preference other people get different mileage and other people may have a different response but my thought unfortunately would be that people would see that and a lot of people wouldn't even try to pick you up like you would just be waiting there and waiting there. And, you know, since they don't actually have to take rides, um, you know, you don't have an issue there necessarily, right? You're you're giving them a way out ahead of time. Um, they but then you're not waiting where they take the ride and you're waiting for minutes and minutes and then they cancel. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah, think you'd be that's... waiting one way or the other a lot of times. Right. I, I think yeah. that's the problem. I think mm -hmm. I, the problem isn't like a lot of times in our community, folks look for how can we make it easier for them? And I understand that in a lot of cases, but I think we have to ask a lot more often, how can we get them to do what the law requires them to do? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. honestly, I think DOJ needs to be monitoring these companies for what happens to drivers who refuse rides. Um, you know, it's not enough to refund your cancellation fee or whatever. Um, if you have to spend, you know, 40 minutes waiting to go home and then another hour filing your complaint, like there's no compensation for that. And one of the reasons in my view, and this may sound cynical to people, 
is that, you know, they want to make it hard for you to file complaints. They don't actually want to do the right thing or hold the drivers accountable, right? Um, because we all know that if they if they had a, 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 a strict rule that anyone who doesn't pick up a service animal immediately gets removed from the platform, um, they would probably lose more drivers than you think. They would. And, I mean, allergies. Yeah. I mean, there are reasons why there are sometimes not often, but sometimes there are legitimate reasons why they don't. Well, do allergies it. are not a legitimate reason. So that's no right. But, but they shouldn't be drivers then in the first place. No, I guess and that's, they the, have that, that's but... the whole problem, right? What they need to be doing is having a much more rigorous training program and a much like they need to be telling people straight up when they log into the app. Like, you know, if you have allergies to animals, you're straight up unqualified. You can't be a driver. Like, they need to be much harder on them. And it's not going to happen unless people file complaints, unless people tell the Department of Justice, um, this is something you need to monitor more strictly. Um, without that, it's, it's you know, we've left the rideshare... I mean, they've even been, you know, sued for different things. They've come to settlements um, with, I think NFB has a settlement with Lyft. Um, and yet you're still waiting on hold for an hour when you call and people are still being denied rides. So uh, without external monitoring, uh, it, we're going to have a hard time changing the, the situation very much. I pretty much knew the answer. I just thought hmm, I would ask anyway. <laughs> so awesome. Thank you. Uh, have any other hands? Uh, Anthony's hand went up and went back down. So I don't know if that was Zoom lowering your hand, Anthony, or whether you lowered <laughs> it yourself. No, I lowered it. Um, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm, uh, my guide dog came from the guide dog foundation and we had done a thing in new york city where those of us that uh were using ride shares had pictures with clearly defined with the harness on etc with the guide dog um and the wait time the average with um around 500 trips became 24 minutes longer um because they oh. you know could deny the the taking the trip before even uh -huh. connecting um, and the average wait time was 24 minutes longer than someone who Thank you did for not that, disclose. Anthony. Yeah. Uh, um, that really sadly does prove my instinct correct. Uh, I wish it didn't, but that's the reality of things. Um, and I I was not aware that that was done in New York. So It was, and a... the Department of Justice declined to take that up as a case. So, you know, it, it, we've been shown over and over again that they really don't want to get in this space unless we push them and push them. And the only way to push them is what you've been saying. Exactly. Exactly. The, they, the more they get, the better it's going to be for us. I, I just, that is 100% true. Yeah. I know it's not an easy thing for some folks to do, but it really is how we move the needle. It really is how things are going to change. Um, so I, I, that is a very useful piece of information. Thank you very much, Anthony. Uh, do we have any other hands, Travis? I am not seeing any right now. All right. I'm just going to wait another minute because when we've done this before, we've always <laughs> gotten another one. <laughs> so. I just want to make sure that anyone who wants to um, participate has the opportunity to do so. Um, and as a reminder, um, our next episode will be January 6th. Um, and for our two episodes in January, we will be covering Title I of the ADA around employment of people with disabilities, which covers everything from the job application through accommodations on the job, all kinds of things um, that I, uh, folks would be well, uh, do folks good to know. Um, even if you're not looking for a job right now, you may be eventually, and <laughs> it may help you to know this kind of information. So we're going to spend the both episodes in January on Title One. 
Um, any hands? Do we have any hands? Oh, I'm I must do it. Uh, we are clear. Okay. I thought then I was unmuted. Sorry. No, that's okay. I guess um, with that, I guess we can end about 10 minutes early. Thanks again to Travis and Lucy. Um, and I hope everyone has a wonderful holiday season. Um, and we'll see you again in this space on uh, January 6th. And some of you will see in community karaoke tonight. Um, and if I could just for a moment, give a, a shameless plug. Uh, Desiree <laughs> has a podcast on learning blind tech with Desiree that airs every Friday or every second and fourth Friday at um, three Eastern. Um, and Desiree, if you're still here and you want to take a minute to give your own plug, um, maybe you can do that. Um, if not, uh, that's out there and uh, folks should give it a listen. Um, and uh, with that, Thank you very much. And I hope everyone has a great holiday season. Oh, so I got unmuted so I can, oh, okay. I can do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, so I've, I've had quite a few um, good responses and good feedback. I've only done two so far. Um, so, but this next time I'm actually going to go into a little bit about different ways to find songs and there are different options for that. Um, so if anybody's interested in, in that, um, and I may go into a little bit of, you know, customization of, of the song when you find it, if, if it's possible and that kind of thing. So, yeah, thank and you. Thank you for that. That was totally unscripted. We didn't plan that <laughs> at all. So I didn't even know if you were still there. So that worked I'm out. Still here. Um, so thanks again, Travis and Lucy, and we'll see you all around the ACB bend. All right. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy Bye.